Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Mike Mahler and Sincere Hogan, where we continue our discussion with our good friend Steve Maxwell as we talk periodization, interval training, as well as cardio and Steve's current eating regimen. And we even mentioned the Charlie Sheen drug periodization program. You definitely want to find out what that's all about. Before you do all that, make sure you hop over to MikeMahler.com as well as NewWarriorTraining.com. You'll get 10% off of all of our products when you use the coupon code LLA at checkout. So you can get that on our DVDs. You can get on Mike's t-shirts. You can get on all his supplements there as well. And you'll also get to use that same coupon code for the upcoming IKFF kettlebell certification that's going down in Houston on May 8th, 9th, and 10th with Kim Blackburn and myself. So you can use that same coupon code on the IKFF website, but that's only for the Houston course. More details about that at the end of the show. Also, become a monthly supporter of the show by hopping over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash L-L-A podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. Help keep it going and growing and just show your support for your favorite podcast. All you have to do is go over to patreon.com slash L-L-A podcast in the little box where it says become a supporter of the show, take out that $1 bill, erase that, start off with at least $5 or anything more that you want to contribute each month to keep this show going and growing. We truly appreciate all our Patreon subscribers that have jumped on board right now. And now we're looking for each and every one of you. So for now, let's get back into the show right now. It's Steve Maxwell, folks. We're talking high-intensity interval training, periodization, and so much more right here on the Live Life Aggressively podcast. overhaul my whole program and do that but for example i'm doing a lot of ring pull-ups these days so just as a variation there i could do some of these slower sets just for fun you definitely oh, you, know, get a, you definitely get a big oh, pump yeah. doing it you know so if that's something if that's oh, something you enjoy yeah if that's something you enjoy where your last just blow up and your arms are huge yeah, i mean try try doing some of these at the end of your workout just as a finisher well it's it's definitely a good hypertrophy uh stimulant you know especially like i say for for the older population and it's certainly safe it's hard right. to hurt yourself from moving that <laughs> right. slow. But uh, Drew, Drew Bay, Drew Bay uh, uh, he, he, he mentioned he liked to do the 2-8 protocol. Uh, it's still negative emphasized, but you, it's, it's not quite the mind fuck of 30-30-30. You know, so you, know, you lift yourself in two seconds with a pause, and then you do eight-second negative. So it's still negative emphasized. You're still getting a lot of the same benefits of the slower speed of movement. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's many, many different protocols out there. It's good to experiment. I think you should stick with one for so many weeks and change. I, I don't believe in changing exercises. I think that's a big mistake. Mm, right. You know, I mean, you can't beat squats, deadlifts, uh, military press, or handstand push-ups. You can't beat uh, dips and right, chin-ups. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you, you know, if, if you don't have any equipment, for sure, you could get everything you'd ever need with just chins, dips, and uh, pistols. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. If you if you built yourself to the point where you could you know chin yourself with half your body weight, and dip with half your body weight, 
and you know do uh, pistols with uh, you know let's say forty five yeah. pound yeah yeah or or or, what, or even twenty <laughs> pistols per leg. I mean, how much stronger are you going to be able to get? You know, you're going to meet your pretty much your full genetic potential for strength just with those simple movements. It doesn't have to be complex or complicated. I, I never really liked that whole concept that you you need periodization and all of this stuff. I, I I heard from upon good authority from Dr. Ted Lambernides, who had uh, done a lot of uh, training over in Russia. He said that that whole periodization was invented uh, by the Russians to to uh, um, coincide with their drug cycles. <laughs> that 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 actually yeah. makes perfect sense. <laughs> you know? I mean, I do that with my supplement regime yes. sometimes. You know, when I'm on my testosterone booster and some of my other products, that's when I go through my hard training cycle. And then when I take a break from those, that tends to be when I dial things back a little bit. Still doing the same exercises, but just dialing back the intensity. So that, I was just thinking about that the other day. I go, I bet, I bet it, I bet that whole periodization thing correlates completely with their drug cycles. It did, and that was the origins of it. Now I'm not saying that you know. Uh, you, sh- you shouldn't cycle your training a little bit. I mean, it's sure, hard to sure. be, you know, training top level all the time. Yeah. That's one of the problems in my sport with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors. Man, those guys, it's so easy to overtrain. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you never have an off-season. Right. There's always a right. tournament or something, man. Yeah. So, you know, the guys I work with, um, with their training programs, I try to get them just to peak, like just for a couple big tournaments a year. And then if they do other tournaments, fine. But, you know, I – I encourage them not to have any expectations. Just go in and just use it as a, as a, a for training, really. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, some sports there's just never an off season. Yeah. yeah. So, I think Jack got, Jack Reap is a powerlifter. He his he does micro periodization, which I've played around with. There was a program that was pretty popular in the early '90s called Serious Growth. Big Beyond Belief was the other name. Leo Costa is the guy who put that together. I remember high, that guy. Yeah, it was highly influenced by the Bulgarian weight training system, where it was it was more micro periodization, meaning that you would do three weeks hard, you do one week where you back it off, and then do another hard three week cycle, back it off for a week. I think that's a system that works very well for yeah, most people. I mean, that's pretty much the system. Well, that's pretty much yeah, like I have with my, pretty much with what my I do. students. Yeah. It's the same way, and it works out. That's why they stick around for years. And they're like, well, I've never had a workout, a training program this long before. Well, I'm like, hey, first <laughs> when you tell them you know, take that, that week of backing off, when you first tell them that, they're like, what? Why? You know, they're panicking. Go, well, you know, I might, yeah, I might lose my game. It's, it's not a week <laughs> you know? off. Yeah, it's not a week off yeah, where you kick back to week. You're still going to be active recovery. Okay, you're not going to sit on your ass yeah. for the next seven days and then try to come back and do something. No. So. Well, a lot of people didn't realize that that whole Bulgarian burst training system that, uh, you know, that was being pushed, it, it, it was basically invented because the, the Bulgarian Olympic coaches had a bunch of knucklehead teen early 20-somethings, and they had to keep them out of trouble. You know? These kids would just be, you know, Getting into all sorts of mischief. I mean, that, so, that's, that's why they trained five times a day. <laughs> pretty much, just to, keep, just to keep them busy. Yeah, there's some sense to that. You know? you know, just to keep you know, these kids would just be dissipated with all sorts of problems. You know, I, lo- I love you it know? when you find the real reasons exactly. for stuff. You know, it's like, well, we do five times a day because of the size, that, so like, forth. Nah. And it's usually this. This is like the, Steve Maxwell's like the freakonomics of training, he's killing, right? Like he's like, no, here's Steve, the real Steve reason. Steve is killing a lot of dreams right now. Like I'm doing this because this. Like, nah, man, that's an event to keep his ass out of jail. Okay. Basically, keep him from keep him from ma- masturbating so much. You know? 
That's well, probably so, why. That's probably why in Islam you do the whole exactly. five prayers a day, right? Because every every time you're exactly. about every time you're about to get in trouble, you, you have to do another prayer. You're like, well, get down. Exactly. <laughs> Hands above the covers. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of things were invented just to keep young men out of trouble. I mean, yeah. the whole Ashtanga yoga, for example, it was never meant to be done by anyone over the age of twenty one. It was basically invented to keep teenage boys from masturbating. Oh man, that was the whole origin. I don't, I don't, of, I don't think. I don't think, it no much, much I don't think there's anything in the world that can stop that, <laughs> other than cutting their hands off. Okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's been any statistics that show that the incidence of masturbation has gone down over the years. <laughs> Probably not. With, with internet, with internet oh, pornography, worse, I, I bet it's at an all-time high. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> but the uh, – yeah, so a lot of these systems uh, were – you know, I mean these kids, basically they don't work, you know. Right. You get up and go to work, uh, you know. So they would go to lift and they were using very submaximal loads and they were just basically practicing the skills of their sport yeah. with submaximal loads, which is actually a, a great way to train if you're going to be an Olympic lifter. Mm-hmm. The idea to use the submaximal loads and, le- and learn just to really groove in that, that those movement patterns. Sure. But, you know, it requires a lot of time. And even though you're lifting submaximal loads, it takes a lot of recovery. So basically those guys were eating, sleeping, lifting. Yeah, they're getting massages after each workout. <laughs> yeah, I mean they yeah. had, you know, they had Perfect nothing Perfect environment for training, yeah. Good. So to take it for just average people and say, well, look at the Bulgarian success in <laughs> yeah. limping. It's like, well, first of all, you know, these were selected individuals that were high responders that were genetic, you know, genetically gifted individuals who had, you know, who were just kept busy practicing the skills of their sport. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, it worked. There's no doubt about their success. Would other models work? Yeah, for sure. There's right. other co- countries that do extremely well in Olympic lifting. The Chinese, uh, a lot of the Middle Eastern countries, you know, even Iran, you know, uh, yeah. Russia is still top podium. They use their own system. So, well, you know, well, that's, many that's systems kind of work. my point about high intensity training, though, right? The level of difficulty, severity is you can you can get really strong with how without punishing yourself to that point. You know, most I pow- think so. Yeah, most powerlifters don't train to failure. When they train to failure, it's out of meat. But they're not training to fa- – like someone like Louis Simmons, for example. I mean they have a maximum strength day, but the, the, most of those guys don't miss repetitions. So they're not doing forced repetitions or assistant work, partner work, rep- rest, rest pause right after they've completed a maximum set. And I, I think that's a happy medium for most people. Well, the, the other thing, too, that is really confusing is, uh, you know, measuring strength. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, the amount of weight that you lift is the measure of their strength. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But that's not necessarily so. Yeah. I, I, I've, you know, when you get on the mat, for example, you feel like real strength. It's very possible to be incredibly strong and not be particularly good at doing uh, weightlifting or, you know, be good at, you know, power lifts. Or any of those type of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, Mark uh, Phillippe and I had that discussion because Mark Phillippe was saying he was shocked how weak all these MMA fighters are who come into his gym. And I made the point of saying, well, they might be weak in terms of what you're doing, lifting heavy weights and so forth. But on the mat, I guarantee you, we could take the strongest guys in your gym, put them in the MMA training world, and they're going to get their ass handed to them. They don't know how to apply that strength in that context. Like Dale Hart, who's a good friend of ours who came on the show, 
what one of Mark Philippi's prodigies, this guy uh, Jay, who was a really strong guy, really cool guy too. He he, uh, Jay, Dale invited him to come over and do some MMA training. And Dale is probably five eight, hundred and eighty pounds. Not 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 that strong in terms of weight training. He's not weak, but he's not super strong there. But he just wiped the floors with this dude. You know, this yeah. guy guy tried to take him down. Dale just got out of the way. This guy would try to strike. Dale was able to evade everything, and then he wasn't able to handle Dale's strength in that yeah, contact. From we call that country boy. Well, strong. yeah, that's what that is. That's country boy strong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Farm, yeah. farm boy strength, but there, there is there is of course a knack and skill set that the other guy mm-hmm. didn't have. Yes, to exactly. His, you know, exactly. to his credit, exactly. But uh, let, I'm going to give an example. Let's say we have two people. One guy can bench press 150 pounds. And he has really long arms and doesn't have particularly good proportions for doing, uh, let's say, a bench press. And then his pal with much shorter arms, right, maybe can bench press 200 pounds. But if you actually measure the inch pounds of work being done by the taller, skinnier guy, you may find that he's actually moving that bar almost six inches more than the shorter guy with the big chest and the, you know, the, sh- the shorter arms. And <laughs> so in, in reality, the skinnier guy who's only lifting 150 pounds is actually stronger than the shorter, stockier yeah, guy. Right. And if, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's why, like, um, <laughs> no, but, short, get, but, but short people hate when you bring that up because I'll say yeah. that. They're like, oh, well, I'm surprised you can't do more than that. I was like, well, yeah, I'm about eight inches taller than you, so don't be too surprised. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But when when that, that skinny guy, let's say um, – well, one of the greatest knockout artists ever was uh, Tommy yeah. Hearns, man. I used to be a big Hitman. Tommy oh, Hearns yeah, fan sure, back in the sure. day. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. He was whipping whip lean. I mean just like a – it looked like a, a just incredibly kind of skinny, wiry kind of guy. Yeah. But my God, the knockout power. That's that's what I'm talking about. You know, that that's you know, you strength cannot just be measured with the amount of weight lifted. Well, I think John Jones is a good example of what you're bringing up because John Jones is definitely not the strongest light heavyweight in terms of weight training. But anyone who's ever fought him comes away with the same conclusion. They're shocked how strong he is in the clinch, how difficult it is to move him. Like Daniel Cormier just was totally bewildered by that after the fight he couldn't stop talking about how strong john feels in the ring and how he's able to use his leverage so effectively it's his lever yeah. arms and those tall skinny guys who, who are terrible at weightlifting are just ridiculously strong when you get on the mat or you get in other type of uh, you know sportive uh, type situations but yeah. particularly so there is different types of strength, and you cannot, you know, the measure of strength isn't always a person's bench no. or their military press or their squad or deadlift. Sure. Uh, I'll give another example: uh, the famed Dick mm-hmm. Buckus. Yeah, sure. He he had a long torso, short uh, uh, legs, low center of gravity. He had very long, almost spider monkey arms, <laughs> which made him horrible for doing bench press. He had a horrible pressing agent. Yet he was one of the most fierce football competitors ever to grace the NFL. I mean, he literally could just tear guys apart with his bare hand. And people that went up against him said they never met such a ferocious, hard-hitting, dangerous player. The way he could use those arms to shuck off blockers and make you know amazing tackles. Yet he he, he barely could bench press 225 pounds, which is nothing in the NFL. Right, right. So you know. 
people would say, oh, well, he only pitches 225. He's not very strong. Uh, I, I beg to differ. He was really strong. He just wasn't – he just didn't have the leverage to do heavy, heavy lifts. Right. So, you know, it goes kind of back to the high-intensity model. There, the whole, the, whole, the whole idea isn't to see how much weight you can lift per se. It, it's, it's not what your muscles do to the weights, but what the weights are doing for your muscles. Mm, right, that so, makes sense. You know, even guys with that, you know, they can't lift a heavy load. If you're loading yourself up and you're working really hard, maybe you don't have to go to failure to get good results. But let's say you're pushing yourself to deep level fatigue. Sure. If you, if you get enough recovery, you're going to get stronger. It doesn't matter the amount of weight. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter how much weight it is, as long as you're pushing yourself as hard as yeah, you can yeah. push. As long as it's difficult, as long as it's difficult exactly. for you, you're getting the benefits, which makes a lot. That's something. I think that's something that everyone should really take heed of, because a lot of times people always want to compare themselves to someone else. And, and that's the problem think, right there. I think that's I think, a, I think that's yeah, just a like the saying goes. That's the biggest thing of joy right mistake, there, comparing man. yourself to someone else. Like, cause you don't know, you don't know like, what's it, going on. Like, you put Mike and I together, it's like, okay, our arms are about the same length, but hell, Mike's damn near six feet tall. I'm five foot eight, so we, we got some issues already <laughs> off the bat right there. <laughs> you know, trying. To, so you barely, you barely have to lean over to exactly. Like, yeah, like, I got, I got all this just extra, extra arms just sitting there. Like, well, we don't have to use this much of my arms. I mean, we're already this close to the ground. Yeah. Why not? You know. Yeah, you're standing up perfectly straight. You got your hands. The bar. <laughs> so you got spider monkey over uh, here and the gorilla fun. over here. So, <laughs> but you know, I think that's one of the reasons why you move so well with a lot of the body weight movements you do. A lot of the crawling yeah. drills, the ones where you're you're exploding forward like a silverback running through the, the yeah. jungle. That's I'm I mean, some, built like some of those moves. I remember the, the course we taught in Houston a while back. So you were, you demonstrated that and you did it really well. And there was another guy in the class who did it really well too. And he, I think he had a similar physique yeah. to you. Where he had long arms, kind of a muscular guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, that's that's uh, th- I think that's something people really need to take heed of is not worry so much about what other people are doing. Just focus on the best yeah, you can do with whatever you have. When you see, you know, Mike or myself yeah, exactly. in a certain way. Don't say, to them, "Hey, you're doing that wrong." Like, bitch, this is I have a 76 inch <laughs> yeah. reach. Shut the hell up before I slap you with one of these arms. And I tell you that this is how I have to live. My ass is going to be up a little higher than yours. And by the way, my ass is built different than yours. Okay, so don't worry about what, how I'm lifting. Okay. You're like, stop exactly. looking at my ass anyway. Why are you worrying about if I got my ass out of that? Why? <laughs> it's not. Stop looking it's not at my ass. Discussion in the first place. <laughs> Uh, someone was saying that about me. They're like, oh, your back is rounding a little bit. I was like, I got 2.75 of my body weight on the bar deadlifting. It's impossible for my back not to round a little bit. So I got a long back, oh, too, a long torso. Rounding, yeah, your mouth is rounding a little bit, too. So I'm about to put something in it. For you, <laughs> I mean, it's easy for someone who's five foot four to not round his back, you know, but it's going to be different for me. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm bracing my core appropriately. My back is not sore at all afterwards exactly. or the next day. So, so don't worry about it. But, yeah, a lot of people like to just, just – just focus on uh, just pedantic stuff on YouTube and Facebook and so forth. At the same at the same time, though, there are there 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 are a lot of opportunities for legitimate criticism, especially on some of these fail compilations. Oh you ever see those, Steve? <laughs> it's pretty horrible, man. It, 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 fail, Jim oh, fail. That will make you just, you just cringe watching. Like, God, dude, are they alive now? I want to see what happened after the filming. Is that person still alive at this point? Well, yeah. There's some nine one one injuries on there for sure. Which brings up another point that, that I make in a lot of my workshops and seminars. The strength training should be preventing injuries. Exactly. Yeah. In other words, I mean, if, you, if you're going to be playing, let's say, soccer or basketball, 
or even, even in a game like tennis or whatever, you do expect to pull a muscle now and again and get hurt. Mm-hmm, sure. I mean, there's an expectation with recreational sports and activities that you may get hurt. But with weight training, you know, if, if, if you're not, if, if your sport isn't weightlifting or weight training, then you should never be injured. And if, for Christ's sake, if you need to roll, do foam roller for 15, 20 minutes before you do your, <laughs> your conditioning training, there's something wrong. <laughs> you're, 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 you know, you're, 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 doing, you're doing something wrong. The strength training should make you feel better. It should make you stronger. You know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily uh, – uh, of course, I'm talking about non-weightless. Now, if your goal is to lift as heavy weight as possible, it's a whole different philosophy. I, th- I think even there, you know, because I don't do any competitive sports right now. I just lift weights and work out and go sprinting and just train for fun. But even 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 there, I apply a lot of what you're talking about. Where I'll I'll go heavy, but I don't take it to that point where the possibility of injury is pretty high now. Because what's the point? I don't want to get injured working out. That doesn't really no, make any exactly. sense for me. It doesn't <laughs> make any sense at all. Yeah, and, you know, as you get older, it gets even worse because. It takes a long time to uh, come back. Yeah. And the other the other thing is if you know you have extrinsic and intrinsic goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If all if a person has only extrinsic goals, and this could even be about the way they look. Yeah. You know? Sure. Like there, there's going to come a point in your life where you're not going to look like that. <laughs> you're not going to be able to lift this weight anymore. Yeah. yeah. And does does it, you you need to start coming up with more intrinsic type yeah, goals? Exactly. Sure. You know, like how many workouts can you do without missing? Or, yeah. you know, the, the uh, right now I focus on the perfect rep, man. Like just perfect, flawless, beautiful repetitions. Stuff like that. Yeah. I'm finding that, uh, you know, you're just not going to – a lot of the goals that young people set for themselves, it's fine. You know, we all did it. But they're not sustainable yeah. for a lifetime. you yeah. got to start to consider – you know, you're going to be living with this body for a long time, uh, right. you know, hopefully. Right. So, you know, a lot of a lot of the kamikaze type approach, you know, like CrossFitters are pretty famous for that. It's like, man, what are you doing? You may sustain a lifelong injury doing some of this crazy shit. Yeah. Now, when Is you, it going to be worth the pain? It worth it? No, it, 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 def, it definitely isn't, you know, because if you really screw up yourself just working out, and now you got to live with that pain for the rest of your life. It's definitely not worth it. Well, if I'm in a world championship, right, and I'm getting paid, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, okay, I might take the risk, right? <laughs> right. right. If I if I'm in MMA and and uh, maybe I'm leading on the card and I get caught in an arm lock, I might just go ahead and let the guy pop my arm, you know, just to win the fight. You know, but most people, they're never going to be in a situation right. where there's there's any real benefit to to doing a lot of this dangerous, crazy stuff. Hey, I got the most downloaded man. video now. So, it went viral, Steve. I'm the most downloaded when I got hurt <laughs> when I had that fail. But, you know, hey. <laughs> but well, I, and I'm not against people, you know, taking risks and doing stuff because, I mean, a, a long life never having done anything sure. well i mean what's that mean right. too you know yeah i've certainly taken my risk but now i'm, I'm just not so uh, quick to to want to do that anymore yeah i think but you I just have to have you have to have certain parameters i mean in business you have to take certain risks otherwise you're not going to grow and uh, one, one of one of the sayings i hate the most is everything is fine in moderation it's i hate that saying for a lot of reasons one there, there's a lot of things 
Well, there's a lot of things that are not fine in moderation. Heroin no, no, is not I mean, fine you can't in moderation. Cycle. You, you don't want to do it at all. Well, yeah, exactly. Charlie Sheen said that. He said he he said all these guys overdose. He said they're amateurs. He said you know you got to learn how to cycle off this. And I was like, really? There's periodization for doing oh, heroin. <laughs> really? And that's the world yeah. we're living it's in. Like now? three three weeks on, a week, <laughs> week off. Three weeks no. on, then weed off on that one week. Okay, just have the weed. Like, come on, man. Charlie Sheen drug periodization. I don't know. How about schedule. that? Yeah, I like it. Man. Oh, man. Some things, yeah, some things you don't want to even touch. And then there's other things where moderation is not going to be enough. You're going to have to push it harder to get to where you want to go. And it's it's fun to challenge yourself. I think that's why a lot of us like working out. We want to challenge ourselves and see what we're capable of. Another thing I like to address is this whole cardio thing. Uh, I find that one of the real benefits of the high-intensity weight training is it's more cardio than cardio. Yeah, there you, go. you don't really actually need a separate cardio program at all. Now, cardio, uh, lot, you mean steady states, cardio, so yeah, jogging, yeah, stuff the, like that? Yeah, the whole aerobic yeah. thing. Because, I mean, there, there is no such thing as cardio per se, right? Yeah, right, right. Uh, uh, there, there was a time when I was injured, and I couldn't get on the mat. And uh, But I was doing plenty of kettlebell swings, and I was riding the swing air down and doing sprints and all that. And when I got on the mat, I still died like a uh, like a rat. I mean, I just I didn't have the sports specific cardio, you know, for for doing the wrestling. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, what's going on here? Now I'm sure that it probably helped, but what what I found, you know, like uh, we mentioned earlier that that old Nautilus circuit training, the uh, the uh, Project Total Conditioning that they did with the West Point graduates. Yeah. Uh, you can get an amazing uh, cardio effect from just taking low uh, rest between your, your exercises. And uh, I'm telling you, like, have your heart rate, like, way up there. And that seems to translate better to almost all activities. It doesn't matter what the activity is. You will get a good translation. Your heart and lungs will be as strong as they'll ever need to be. You don't need to go out and run if you don't like to run. You don't need to swim or bike or any of that stuff, unless you enjoy doing yeah. that. Yeah. And I do, I do enjoy some of those recreational activities. But just realize that swimming or running or biking doesn't translate into anything other than those activities right. themselves. Right. Typ- typ- typical point, Lance Armstrong, for example, when he got banned from cycling, right? He tried his hand at some local 10Ks and some running. And, I mean, he was coming in like 42nd. Right, <laughs> right. And this is the greatest endurance athlete. Some, some people claim the greatest endurance athlete ever, but that's simply not true. He was the greatest cyclist, but he certainly wasn't the greatest endurance athlete because the type of cardio that he had developed was very sports specific to the bike. So all cardio training basically comes back down to muscular endurance. Yeah. His muscles just weren't good at processing uh, oxygen. In running, he didn't. He didn't have. He didn't have the neurology or or the muscles developed for that particular gait pattern. On the bike, he was like killer. And I'm, I found the same thing. You know, you, I used to get these guys come in. They were triathletes and and uh, distance runners, and you know that they had strong heart and lungs for running, but they would just gas horribly within minutes on the mat. Now, of course, part of that skill also, you know, they're they're using their 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 strength inappropriately, but right. a lot of it was just the fact that you know it, it just doesn't translate because it really ends up being muscular endurance and, and the skills of, of of being able to to do that particular movement pattern. So 
I, I tell people, if you like running, run. If you know, if, if you like cycling, do it. But don't think that you need to do it for health or well-being or anything else. The weight training, if done properly, can satisfy all your cardio uh, respiratory needs. Now, would this, would, this, would this be weight training that's done with short breaks, a certain rep range? Because yeah, yeah, I'm talking, I'm talking about the the the, 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 the high intensity. Yeah, 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 the high the high intensity circuit training. Because, and, for example, you know, powerlifting, you know, three sets of three with five minute breaks in between each set, that's not going to carry over to much. <laughs> you know? No, no, I'm, oh, no, I'm not talking about weightlifting uh, uh, type training. You know, skill right. the skill right. of lifting heavy weight. I'm talking sure. about just gen- general conditioning for just general health and, and well being. Yeah. Got it. If you let's say I'll, I'll give an example. Here's a workout I just did uh, not too long ago. I did a set of uh, uh, relatively slow pull-ups, and then immediately did a set of dips, immediately did a set of pistol squats left, pistol squats right, immediately went back and did a set of chin-ups, did a set of uh, push-ups, and did a set of uh, body weight uh, squats on my toes, and then I did one more round of body weight rows, uh, Hindu push-ups, and a set of flat foot squats facing the wall with my toes in the wall, which are really hard from the mobility. Yeah. Oh my wow. God! I was almost failing more from the breath than I was from the muscles. It was an incredibly intense experience. You know that term that people throw around, metabolic conditioning. Yeah. yeah. Well, Arthur Arthur Jones was the one that coined that because what he found was during that uh, project Turtle Conditioning with the West Point uh, cadets, the guys were failing horribly. Uh, and just getting sick and nauseous and not even able to make it through the circuit. And part of it was their muscles were strong enough to handle the weight. The, and the, cardio-wise, they were all, you know, they all had str- strong heart and lungs. But when you put the two together with the short rest and the heavy muscular exertion, they weren't, their bodies weren't able to handle it. So he, he, he said there's a missing conditioning element here. It's not cardiorespiratory. And it's not muscular strength or endurance. There's something else going on here. And he coined it metabolic conditioning. And after a few break-in workouts, the, the cadets were able to get through the entire circuit without getting nauseous. And I mean, some guys actually threw up. It was just that intense. Yeah. But they were able to do it. So the, the, liver, the liver was able to process the enzymes necessary for reducing the, the acidity of the blood. Mm. And so they were they they their their conditioning levels. I mean, you know, imagine being able to go through a routine like that. Think what that would do for a football oh, team, yeah. for example. You know, just having that that type of metabolic conditioning, or sure, you know, for sure, in something like an intense sport like wrestling or MMA or whatever, it would give you a tremendous uh, uh, advantage having that type of all around metabolic conditioning. Oh, no doubt. I think there's a lot of components of that that you can apply to different kind of workouts as well. Even when I'm doing heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, in between sets, instead of just sitting around, I'll be, I'm active in between sets. So I'll do pull-ups in between sets of squats. I'll do some kind of press in between sets of deadlifts. Yeah, I mean, there's no sense sitting around and reading right. the newspaper like a lot of guys. Even if you're doing it allows, it allows me that, you know. That yeah, it, it just allows, yeah, exactly. You're being active. You're keeping your heart rate up. You're being active. You're staying warm. And you're going to finish the workout faster because now you're not just wasting time. Yeah, and the, only, the only people that really should be doing these prolonged sets are competitive powerlifters or competitive Olympic lifters that, you know, need to reset the, the nervous system and so forth right, because they're, right. they're practicing the skills of lifting heavy weight. But for average normal people, they're just interested in general strength. 
not demonstrating strength. This type of circuit training is fantastic for all-around conditioning, man. It really, truly is. And you can, you know, you, you can get all your fitness needs met. You can even get mobility met, uh, just, you know, just by doing full squats or pistol yeah. squats or, you know, uh, throwing like a dive bomber or Hindu mm-hmm. push-ups in there and get a lot of spinal mobility. So that for really busy people, you don't need a separate cardio program, separate strength program, separate stretching program. Uh, obviously, if you're a competitive athlete, you know, you're going to need all those things. But I, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people, I think, are, are just very incredulous. They 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 feel that an effective training regimen has to be complex, and it's going to be a high frequency yeah. one where you're, you're spending several days training. And when when someone like you says, okay, just do pistols, do push ups, do chin ups, throw in some sprints or body weight squats, a lot of people hear that and they go, nah, yeah, that's not going to work. Even though even though even though it's coming, even though it's coming from an expert like you, people still tend to question it. And that's where I always laugh when someone – like we see that a lot in the nutrition world where someone will write a book who's got incredible credentials, right? They've just been doing this their entire life. They've got PhDs, research up the yin-yang, and then some blogger. Or, or Cameron Diaz. You know, who doesn't have any nutrition, nutrition background. Work, you know, on a celebrity. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I mean what, I, what I'm saying is they will question the professional going, well, this book is not right. The research is not accurate. It's like well, who are you to say that? You know, Based on your skill set as what? Well, a lot of people, you know, they, they want to believe what they want to and believe. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so much of it in the fitness industry, it's unfortunate, but it is based on the look of the person. Exactly. You know, we, yeah. we're, all, we're all pretty judgmental. So the guy with the eight pack, you know, and the rip striations is going to, you know, maybe carry more weight than a guy that isn't so well built. And it doesn't mean that the guy that isn't so well built doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But it's just the tendency of people to want to believe the guy that looks really fantastic, they're going to follow his advice. Yeah, that's often someone who would look that way no matter what they did. They could even kind of die if they want. And you don't know exactly what they did to lead up to that photo shoot for that book cover, too. You know, you don't know know how they (laughs) depleted themselves of water a few days before that and, you know, what they've cut out of their diet. Hell, they probably ate like six pizzas after they took that photo shoot, you know, because they starved themselves. And the the way they doctored the Exactly. Let's not leave out Dr. Photoshop, you know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Plus, you know, it's just just a good cameraman can make. Oh the yeah, the right angle, the right yeah. shadow. You turn a certain way, drink a little wine, the vascular a little bit more. All those different things. Well, I mean, one one of the problems in our industry, and this is a whole show in and of itself. You know, we could actually do this. We could get into this another time, but just briefly, is a lot of people that are fitness professionals are really not healthy. When no, you look at the, they look a friend fit. of mine who's a sports, no, a friend of mine who's a sports scientist who's going to be coming on the show at some point. He, he did some blood work with a few very well-known paleo guys, and their blood work was horrible. Wow. And I'm wondering if this is ever going to come out. I'm wondering if these people are going to come forth and say, hey, look, the stuff I've been recommending is just not working out that well. I doubt it. No. But it's going to be hard for this stuff not to come out through some medium, though. Now, this guy is this, this sports scientist. I don't expect him to name names because there's he's very respectful with his clients and stuff like that. But it's, the, it's not going to take – not going to take uh, a detective to figure out who some of these right. people are but the bottom line is is that blood work doesn't lie people lie blood work doesn't so you can say oh i feel great i'm healthy and then you can look at someone's lab work nah. and go no no way there's no way you feel good with these numbers no way so but but it, but it's more common 
than not that a lot of people in our industry, they may look good. They got the six pack. They look like they're just in incredible shape, but internally they're not healthy at all. They've got high blood pressure. <laughs> you know, hey, they've, they've got a bunch of different medical all the time, issues. Man. No matter how Kia upgrades the model of their cars, how it looks on the outside, on the inside, that engine is still a Kia. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is not a Ferrari. Yeah, a Saturn. A Saturn is exactly. still a Saturn. But it looks like a Mercedes. I, I do believe there are <laughs> – there are universal uh, there are universal signs of, of health though because generally speaking the outside if it's if it, if it's if it's looking pretty good can indicate good health well, I mean, for, so example, in, for example if you, if yeah if you're gonna buy a dog mm-hmm. for example you would look at the dog's fur you would feel its conformation its ribs yeah. uh, you would look at the sheen of the coat you would check its teeth and look inside the ears. You know, before you buy the dog, you you could tell an awful lot about the general health of the dog just from its basic appearance. And you know, human beings are, are mammals, so you know, obviously, if a guy has a you know a, a nice sprightly step and clear eyes, and and his skin is really healthy and glowing, and he has you know good hair and teeth and nails and so forth, pretty much that guy is you know, and he's not he's not uh, overweight or anything. Doesn't have to look like a, a ripped athlete or anything, but you can pretty much tell a lot from that. Well, their their energy, their energy really true. will tell. That's the definitely story. true. No matter what, it's like yeah, man, like yeah, yeah, man, I'm feeling pretty good today. You don't sound like it. What the hell is wrong with you? Man? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, anyway, man, can I get some coffee? <laughs> that doesn't sound. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like you're doing too well there, brother. <laughs> so. No, but I mean a lot. A lot of people that are just really into working out, they have to take caffeinated pre-workout drinks to get through their workouts. They're running on adrenal fatigue all day because they're taking some kind of stimulant, and, the, and, they're and somehow there's 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 they're still lean because they just don't have the physiology of someone who stores body fat. Some people some people get stressed; they store a lot of body fat, but they're but they're not really healthy when you get down to it, and they're on the verge of not looking like that for much longer. I was longer. about to say, eventually they're going to pay the thing. price, though. You know, they're going to cash it in sooner right. or later. Yeah, yeah. A lot of big bodybuilders are lean, but they're not really healthy a lot of the time. Hell no. Well, you know, of course, then you have the uh, performance-enhancing exactly. drug syndrome. In there exactly, too, exactly, exactly. All, all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff to the person. But you know, as far as general health, I think Americans really have the whole picture upside down. Everyone's training for the buns of steel, the six-pack abs, you know, the gladiator pecs, the baseball biceps, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the look, man. Right. And you look strong, but you're I, weak I, as hell. I, so that's that's a problem. Whereas everywhere else in the world, people want to be strong because they have to be. A lot of times they have yeah, to be strong exactly. to survive. Whereas here, <laughs> I, I rather I rather be strong and not look it than look strong exactly. and not be strong. <laughs> <You exactly. know? laughs> I rather surprise I, people. Kinda, I rather be like, like that, wow, that's like a lot more like than I expected. It's the concealed gun theory. It's like better to have it and not yeah. need it than need it and not have it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't, don't want to look like Tarzan and play like Jane, man. <laughs> you see, I, like, I, 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 I like to play. I like to look like Tarzan and play there, like there Cheetah. You you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, ideally, you look strong and you are strong. But if you if you have to make a choice of being strong but not really looking it, I'd rather have that. than some some people just you, you would just think they're a beast. You just look at their physique, like, oh man, this guy. I bet this guy's strong as hell. And then you see what they're doing, and they go, "Okay, <laughs> you know, total disconnect." Well, there. I, remember, I remember there was a famous bodybuilder on one video, and he was doing a deadlift set, and he could barely do three reps with three fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was like, "Wow, man, that's nothing." You know, there's plenty of females. Not saying that women are way weaker than men, but there's plenty of women that are 
125 pounds I've that can do that. Bodybuilders yeah. like pick up a 20 pound kettlebell, man, and just all of a sudden they're looking kind of crazy. You get them to try to do a clean and press, all of a sudden they're just shaking or what? I'm like, you know, there's. A, I have a friend named Donica who's probably like probably weighs as much as your bicep. Who you know, she's throwing around <laughs> a pair of 32s right here, man. So what what's the issue happening right here, bro? So it's just 20 pounds. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, a lot, a lot of that muscle spinning hypertrophy, uh, you know, it just it, – it really doesn't require a real heavy weight in order no, to get right. that type of uh, growth. And a lot of the guys aren't nearly as strong as they look. It's, it's, exactly. it's true. I think during the golden age of bodybuilding, though, people like Dave Draper yeah, Schwarzenegger, and Schwarzenegger yeah, and Franco Colombo. Franco Colombo was strong as hell. You know, deadlifting oh. 700 pounds, benching But they five. weren't doing just those traditional as we see it today, bodybuilding routines. These guys are also doing – like power cleans and deadlifts and all that. Where sure. these guys today, they don't even touch a barbell, really, man. Unless they're just doing rack squats, you know. Well, you know, Frank there is usually a Smith. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, when they first started the world's strongest man competition, Franco yeah. Colombo was a was a competitor. Yeah, yeah Luke and, did, yeah. and did really well. Yeah. I mean, they they stood right up there with, and this is before the you know the strong man specialization. Yeah, you know, like no, it was crazy. You know, talk, we're talking about Mark. Yeah, put a put a put a fridge on Franco Colombo's back, and he has to go running with that. You know, yeah, no, there, there was, were a lot of injuries in those early strongman competitions as a result because there wasn't really any way to right. train for it. You would just show up, and it's like, okay, here's what you're going to be doing. <laughs> you know? and, and they had no idea. <laughs> now, nowadays, it's, it's become such yeah. a sport. They, yeah. You know, they, they pretty much know exactly. Most people have – I mean, someone who's really into strongman, they're going to have something similar to all those apparatuses, if not the exact lifts you're going to be doing before the competition. But the, those early strongman events, there were a lot of injuries, though, as a result of just the, the, the inability to prepare for what you're going to be doing. You know, back, back to the uh, stimulation for the, uh, for the uh, training. Sure. Uh, I actually wrote a blog. I haven't published it yet, but it's called "To Jack or Not to Jack." <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> and because I, I, I've had my own love-hate relationship with coffee and with uh, you know with with various stimulants and so forth. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there was a time when I was uh, a little crazy. This is probably about maybe almost. 25, 30 years ago, where remember when ephedra was the big thing? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And you, you would take the uh, the pseudoephedrine, caffeine, aspirin stack. Oh, oh I yeah. Think was, I think, I think it was, was a brutal stack. It was uh, Dan Duchesne that uh, Yeah, Dan was, Duchesne, yeah. That was his fat loss thing, you know. Well, Bill it, Phillips pushed it too quite a bit yeah. in its early inception via, via Dan Duchesne. Yeah, but that stuff, it's, it's, of course you lose weight because you're so jacked up you couldn't eat if you I wanted mean, to. But you know what? You just might as well do cocaine. It's about the same thing, man. Yeah, it, it, it's, well, it, it wasn't exactly. much different Basically, feeling, it was just, yeah. that was just a legal way of doing coke, okay, or speed. Well, you know, the sad, the sad thing was at one point I would take that stuff and not even feel it. Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It, because That's when you know you have a problem, yeah. Your body became endured yeah. with that stuff. And it – it was it was a uh, uh, this is when I was trying to cut weight for uh, uh, jujitsu and so forth, and uh, but one of the problems with with a lot a lot of the uh, so called gurus out there, especially in the fitness magazines, people don't realize what is it that they're doing behind closed doors with their own PE you know performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I read this horrible article about this woman that was given dietary advice for fat loss. And it, it turns out that she was eating an entire ice cream cake almost after every workout. Oh man! She was taking she was taking so much 
she, she was taking so much clenbuterol yeah. that that she was able to just eat piggish amounts of food and burn it off. You know, and she would have these huge food binges and and so forth. And you know, and here she is writing dietary articles for other girls in the fitness industry right. that want to lose body fat and look like her. She wasn't a bodybuilder; she was a uh, like uh, I call it bodybuilding fitness, model. fitness yeah. figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah bodybuilding like <laughs> yeah. basically yeah, yeah. the girls are they're just not using quite as much steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so they still retain some somewhat a little bit of feminine. Now we had we had Lisa Bailish come on the show, and she was talking about how clenbuterol is very common, as well as Anovar, which is a steroid that allows you to stay really hard and hold on to strength, you know, while you're losing a lot of body fat. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that's the thing that a lot of people need to realize when they look at a lot of magazines here. That that's that's going back to my whole point is how healthy are these people? They have a look of what we think is healthy, but are they yeah, really that, healthy? That and what they all of those practices show that. But but most people are addicted to stimulants. And even, even even people with really bad adrenal fatigue, Nick Delgado was talking about this on one of his lectures where he'll have these people come in who have horrible adrenal systems and he's like, Look, you gotta cut out coffee. For at least a month, so we can repair your adrenals, and they will, they will de- defend their coffee usage forever. Like, well, I, what do I need to cut out coffee? Well, what if I just do it, you know, well, once a day do, or this do, and that? What if I do decaf? I'm like, there's still caffeine in decaf. <laughs> don't, don't let that nah, fool you. Okay. When when you wake up and you have no energy and you got to drink a cup of coffee you to get going, that's that's like that's like driving a car with a dead battery, <laughs> and every morning you got to get the jumper cables yeah. out <laughs> and start your car. And as long as your car is in motion, you're fine. But if you shut off the engine, it <laughs> yeah, shuts down it completely. The average person is the equivalent yeah. of that. You know, if they don't, if they're not constantly taking in those stimulants, they will just shut down. They won't even be able to go to work in the morning, and that's not a good sign at all. And there's life shortening. They're literally oh, shaving yeah. years off the end of their life with that kind of behavior. But it's, it's, it's like very why, why isn't your food? Why isn't your food giving you enough real it's energy? Because it's not real food day. that they're eating. Half the time they're not really eating. They're, yeah, exactly. They're just surviving off protein shakes, protein bars, you know, and egg whites. <laughs> and they're thinking like, oh, that's all I need, man, and some broccoli, and I'm good. Even though I hate broccoli, but it's a necessary evil. Like, come on, man. <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of people who, who restrict carbohydrates yeah. too much, it ends up being a vicious circle, man. You know, carbohydrates have gotten a bad rap for everyone being obese. When it's it's you got to look at what kind of carbohydrates are we talking and, about here, and, the, and also their exactly. lifestyle beyond, am I, am beyond I getting, the carbohydrates. It's not yeah. just that one thing. Yeah, you know, exactly. Don't just exactly. blame the carbs. Exactly. I'm like, what else has this person done for most of their life? You know, did they come out of the womb no, with a cupcake in their mouth? I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> It's like, it's like, are people getting fat eating too much legumes and oatmeal? No. You know, too much people are like, oh, you gotta make sure you cut back on the fruit. It's fat yeah. otherwise. So it's like that's not oh why God, people are so fat. You, you, okay? <laughs> people are not fat because they're eating too much fruit. The average, hey, that was the bananas. craziest like, thing I ever on, heard. Can we go to Africa and go to Kenya and tell them that? And uh, they don't look like you. And they're eating pretty much that's how they're surviving each day is through bananas. They have, they have, a, they have basically a hundred percent starch exactly. diet in poor parts of the world. They're eating potatoes and maize, which is cornmeal. They're walking five miles to go get some dirty Bali. water and come back to yeah. the village five miles again. That's 10 miles. How many, when's the last time you walked 10 miles in a day? Oh, never? Okay. No, but, I mean, our, our body had the hormone insulin's main job is to get glucose into the muscles, liver, and cells, right? So we are made to be able to metabolize carbohydrates. Yeah. So it's it's, it's kind of laughable when people say that we should avoid that you know, completely. We, like, bodies, why why do why do we why do we produce insulin at my all? My favorite then? phrase, Mike, is hear this. You know, <laughs> our bodies weren't designed to have to take in carbs. 
I'm like, man, why is it a phone group, <laughs> yeah. you dumbass? Okay, yeah. come on. <laughs> Not only that, but like, if you look at even, let's go to the people that, the competitive bodybuilders. That basically bodybuilding is more or less a uh, a fat loss competition if you if you really yeah, think about it. Yeah, you know? who can get the leanest? Probably the <laughs> one of the biggest, most ripped bodybuilders ever. We have been talking about Mike Metzer. Yeah. yeah, one one of the few guys ever to meet, beat Arnold Schwarzenegger in head to head competition. He was a huge advocate of carbohydrates. Yeah, seventy percent up to his diet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he he was really big in the carbohydrates uh, thing. Now you you and tell so We're talking about the biggest ripped. You know, I mean, they're all using steroids, obviously. Right, but right, right. Here was a guy eating massive amounts of carbohydrates. I mean, what are you going to fill those so, muscles with? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to have well, a pumped full look <laughs> on a low carbohydrate diet, you know. Well, I I went through my own little carbophobe period you know yeah, where I, got, my where first I, got, <laughs> I, I got sucked into that whole thing and uh, i just realized that you know what i can eat a fairly significant amount of carbohydrates and feel great you know mm-hmm. as long as i'm not eating you know uh devitalized type foods mm-hmm. right and one I, of the problems is is when uh, when a lot of people eat carbohydrates but they douse it with oils and high fats right now the problem is that i mean if you're eating a potato that's fine. Your body can metabolize that, no problem. But if you if you Sour douse it with a bunch of oil, and... <laughs> well, I mean, even olive oil or coconut yeah. oil, right? These are these these can be good oils, but it's easy to overdo those oils, and those just basically nullify your insulin receptors, so they don't work as well. And now the carbohydrates are going to go to stored body fat. But yeah, it's half, just, half a stick of butter in your potato, or yeah. I or you know, or, or a half a stick of butter in your coffee, ass. which is moronic. I, I get so tired of <laughs> oh people God. asking me, like, "Oh, what do you think about what do you think about this bulletproof coffee? It sounds great." I was like, "It sounds stupid." I was like, "Do you think a good idea? Do you think it's a good idea to take a stick of butter and put it in a cup of coffee in the morning? Why don't you just have a meal? <laughs> you know, you're getting the same caloric intake as a real meal. Just have a real meal well, with a just nice enjoy salad. a meal. Like, well, exactly. When, when did eating become this thing where it became like a faux pas? Like, oh my God, eating <laughs> yeah, food. Yeah. Who does that anymore? <laughs> We just need to drink everything. What the hell, man? What are we fish? It's like I don't have to eat breakfast if I do this. I want to eat breakfast. Fish have to do more than just drink, consume water. They eat algae and whatever else. They're eating food too. Come on, man. And they live in damn water. Or I'll get, uh, I'll get uh, clients that aren't having much fat loss success and. uh, well, all I had was a salad, you know. <laughs> then it turns out that they're pouring half a bottle of salad exactly. dressing on Yeah, me. exactly. <laughs> so that's, that 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 uh, that four hundred calorie salad all of a sudden becomes a thousand calorie fat bomb, you know. No, I've been I've been having I've been enjoying a couple sweet potatoes after a lot of my workouts, and it's about a hundred grams of man, carbs. I you, I, I, and I tell you what, man, I soak that in so much you can basically just you can almost feel the muscles I mean, honestly, filling up. But the problem is, it's you know, now if you if you load that up with a lot of fat, then it's going to be a problem. You're not going to absorb those carbs as well. So you you have to figure out what you're trying to do, and then figure out what you can have at what time, rather than just trying to eat everything. A lot of people turn high carbohydrate into high fat because they're putting all the oils on it. Now, if you do a whole food program, it's really impossible to do it. Yeah. That. It's, it's really the oils that allow you to just have too much carbs and fat at the same time. I've had a lot of success with uh, fighters that need to make mm-hmm. weight, and a lot of these guys are already pretty lean. Sure. So, you know, it's hard. They, they, they end up having to strip off a little muscle, actually. But uh, when, you're, when you're struggling to make, make weight for a, a weight class sport – 
I've had great success with two fruit meals a day and just one protein vegetable meal a day. Huh. So, you know, just getting rid of all the starchy carbohydrates sure. and just stick, sure. sticking with um, basic uh, fruit, which is uh, complex uh, sugars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so they'll have a smoothie in the morning and then uh, j- just a basic uh, 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 protein uh, vegetable lunch and then maybe another smoothie at night. Man, I've had – it's a real easy – thing to follow uh sandy levels are really really high with yeah. uh, uh, with uh, blended fruit sure and uh, yeah no no problems whatsoever i mean yeah. a lot of these guys are able to live with that for you know quite a few weeks uh, right before a tournament and easily make weight so you know this whole taboo on fruit or whatever it's it's just crazy well the, the fruit that, the fruit one is ridiculous man me. that's where i'm just you like can't, you can't eat you fruit, know? man it's like, bad for you it's what? basically the equivalent of sugar. <laughs> like, it's like, no, not quite. Uh, not quite. <laughs> it's like, I think, eat, I think, eat, I think eating blueberries the, is not the same as eating a Snickers, just, you know, a tic-tac, or just a Tic Tac, just a Twizzler or something yeah, out there. You, know? Tell me, you got Skittles and you got blueberries. I think, yeah, Skittles, I think exactly. all those taboos uh, happen because of the, uh, the high fructose co- uh, corn yeah. syrup. You know, they, they were making the, uh, the, the fructose uh, from corn and putting it in almost everything. And, yeah, that, that type of, of uh, sugar uh, does have a tendency to get stored away as body fat pretty quick if oh, you're sure, sure. eating foods that are full of that kind of stuff. Right. But, uh, you know, the, the fruit, for me, has been a real lifesaver when I've needed to cut weight. Just a couple of fruit meals to replace regular starch meals, even just as short as just a, a few weeks. Yeah, has resulted in significant uh, body fat loss, and I find fruit because of the fibrous nature and uh, extremely satisfying. The satiety levels stay really high for a really really long time. I'm even on the Gracie diet. Yeah. Wasn't fruit a pretty dom- a predominant food group on the Gracie diet? Absolutely. The, yeah. the whole Gra- the whole Gracie diet was invented uh, because in the, in the back in the day they would get challenge matches all the time. You know, people literally walk in your academy wanting to fight. And, you know, they they couldn't afford to say, oh, well, I'm sorry, but I just ate. And, you know, I got to adjust my, my dinner. It's like, go back in an hour. <laughs> so they, they wanted to be able to just, you know, just you know, be able to train or fight at the drop of a hat. So they needed a very easily digestible menu. And they, Carlos Gracie created uh, this fruit-based food combining diet mm-hmm. and they, yeah they had a lot of fruit in the diet I, i'll give an example of one of my favorite all-time uh, smoothies it was basically a watermelon smoothie and you would think watermelon juice would be like pure sugar but it's not uh, you, you basically just scoop out uh, half a watermelon and you put it in a juice bag it's kind of like a cheesecloth mm-hmm. and you just squeeze it by hand in a big bowl yeah. and just get all the juice out of the watermelon and then you mix that in a blender with a banana. Better than Gatorade, uh, man. Horan would uh, put a tablespoon of cream cheese in there, just a little bit of fat, you know, Yeah. to, uh, to, uh, to blunt the, uh, the uh, digestive slow, slow process. Down the sugar bit. Bit. Yeah, yeah slow down the sugar a little bit. Yeah. I'm telling you, Mike, I used to be able to go four or five hours on a big, you know, you're drinking a lot of it, you know, yeah. like a blender full. I would go four or five hours with absolutely unbelievable energy, no <laughs> hunger whatsoever. 
you know, you feel a little full when you drink it because it's a lot mm-hmm. of liquid, you know? Sure. And you, you almost think, whoa, shit, maybe I overdid it. But, you <laughs> know, it, it digests so easy. It, it almost digests itself. And no, that, that water, was, the watermelon has so much citrulline yeah. in it, too. So you're going to get this nice pump and circulation is going to be good. Yeah, it's, it's just delicious, man. Watermelon juice is incredible. Hot and days. It's, just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Right now at the time of this recording because it's about to be that time of the year for watermelon, too, man. We're only a few weeks away, especially <laughs> yeah, in the man. South. I'm sitting there like, come on. It's about that time of the year. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah, man. Watermelon in January I doesn't pop. To- there's something wrong with that watermelon. <laughs> should not be should be growing in January. That's a problem if you're somewhere and you're eating that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not that's, watermelon that's a anymore. Messed up. As, a, as a kid, uh, as a Boy Scout, I uh, you, one of our projects was growing yeah. a garden. So I had the, I had a, a watermelon patch and uh, keeping the other neighborhood kids from raiding it. Man, that was a real problem. <laughs> No, I mean, back in the day, actually, when kids played soccer and so forth, that's what they got during the exactly. breaks, watermelon, to yep. hydrate them. It wasn't a bunch of Gatorade and all that. It was watermelon. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, real real food, man. Yeah. But, yeah, so, that, the, the, which just goes to show the, you know, the, the Gracie diet, basically food combining and just simple fruits, vegetables and so forth with, you know, limited proteins, worked extremely well for, like, one of the more famous fighter clans mm-hmm. ever you know yeah i mean they're, they're basically the guys that invented the you you know modern day ufc yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. so the, well, all, there's so many miss you know just all these crazy ideas about well, I'm, food, I'm, curious, nutrition. I'm, curious, I'm curious how you felt when you were doing i mean when i first met you you were basically just eating a lot of meat no fruit no carbohydrates for the most part and you seemed to feel pretty good at that time. So was it a while? Was it was it something where you transitioned to it initially? You felt pretty good, and then you went through a stretch where you felt great, and then eventually you felt that you weren't getting the benefits. How did that whole thing transpire? Well, I I, I contacted my former mentor, the guy that gave me my first job in the fitness industry. Yeah, right. Uh, remember, I mentioned Huff and Puff Jim, Greg, Dr. A- Greg, Greg Ellis. Greg, Greg Ellis. He had a huge influence. He always did. And uh, he was absolutely convinced that carbohydrates were the demon, the evil. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he, he and there's a lot of guys, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that came to the same idea. Anyway, Greg um, was convinced that you don't need carbohydrates and that your body can make all the uh, uh, energy that you need from proteins. And uh, he, he had read this book called The Fat of the Land yep. by this uh, Arctic explorer by the name of Stephenson, yep. who claimed that he lived on with the Inuits for eight years and pretty much just ate a meat diet. The only vegetable matters that they got were a few berries in the spring on the tundra there, and also the stomach content of the elk and the moose and things that they would kill. They would uh, cut the stomach content and put it into the cooking pot, so they were getting partially digested greens and grasses, uh, along with the the meats. And he claimed that he reversed the aging process; that his hair went from gray to dark, that he lost a significant amount of body fat, and that all the Inuit people were in superb health with perfect. And he was convinced that this he called it the Stone Age diet; that this was the best diet for for man. So under Greg's influence, I experimented and I went on the all meat diet, uh, coming from actually, interestingly enough, a vegetarian diet. 
I know what a, what a sweat. <laughs> what, what a, and I pretty much was just following this diet. And uh, to tell you guys on the truth, I, I did gain a lot of muscular body weight and size, and I felt pretty good on it. But then st- things just started didn't make sense. I, I think it's because I had been on a relatively low protein diet for a while. Yeah. And so when I swung the pendulum to the other side sure. of a really high protein, it kind of balanced my body out. Right. And I, I think a lot of these diets, you know, they're, they're basically therapeutic type diets to bring you into balance. Once you get to a state of balance, then they start to have a, a reverse effect. Right. And I, then they start to cause harm. So up, up to that like year that I pretty much stayed with a, a high meat, high fat diet, I, I was probably not doing my body any harm. I was just balancing out the fact that I probably was on too low a protein diet previously. Right. And, and, uh, but there did come a point where I did start to notice things I didn't like. I started having joint problems and inflammation. And uh, Tilden, Dr. Tilden referred to it as gouty diastasis. It was like I was having those type of problems. Uh, I noticed that I would get swollen ankles and such. Yeah, I know. Weird, yeah. man. Uh, and I was thinking, hmm. I did have my heart checked and my, my, you know, all my body fat levels and all that stuff. And I got my arteries were clear even after a year of a high fat, high protein diet. But it's it's like, uh, you know, we, we've talked about Western Price before. Yeah. Yep the guy that traveled around the world looking at indigenous people. And he, he actually made the same claim that the Inuits were incredibly healthy. They also happen to have the shortest lifespans of all the people we studied. <laughs> in the, but in the time that he did, that they do live, they're very healthy, very strong, lean, muscular people. We're talking about not modern Inuits, but, you know, the, the, you know, before they were completely destroyed by, you know, modern Western diet. But he also noticed that there was all sorts of indigenous people all over the world with extremely high levels of health. And he looked at people that had as high as 80 percent carbohydrate intake in their diet. Um, the, he looked at, he looked at uh, the Okinawans. He looked at the Vilicabambans. He looked at this uh, group of uh, people in Switzerland. But the people he thought were the, of the highest order of health. And beauty were the Polynesians. He was really taken with the Polynesians, mm. with their basic coconut and fish, and they they eat that taro root, yes. which oh is God, so incredibly yes. starchy carbohydrate. Yeah. Delicious too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it is yes. very delicious. So, yeah. so his, 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 his conclusion was that hey, look, man is an incredibly adaptive creature, right. and that there's any number of diets that can produce tremendous health. That's why we've been able to survive as a, as a species. Mm-hmm. So basically, the, the, I think the best diet is the one you can live with. Yeah, but, exactly. I do, I do, but I do find that, that uh, these extremist diets like all meat or Dean Ornish on the other end, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that when you go to the extremes of either end, that you're probably doing yourself more harm than good. And this is after – Many years of self-experimentation with every kind of diet you can think of, man. Yeah. You know, I yeah. even did a stint with Arnold Eretz mucusless diet healing system. <laughs> I did Misha Kushi's, you know, macrobiotic diet. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Stephenson's all meat, pretty much diet. Uh, you know, everything in between. But 
I, I found that probably for me, the best thing is the the uh, the uh, the basic food combining uh, sure. system of Doctor Doctor John Totem. Just basically eating real simple meals. Don't mix a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. Don't have what uh, he referred to as crowded nutrition. Eat when you're really truly biologically hungry, which most people have no clue what that really <laughs> is. <laughs> you know, they eat out of habit hunger. The the slightest little tummy rumbling. Yeah. They're going into a panic. All that is is an over-acid condition of the stomach. You drink a big glass of cool water and it'll go away. You know, yeah. just get yourself occupied with some creative project and just don't be eating every couple hours. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, I'm doing a fruit-based meal, a starch-based meal, and a protein vegetable-based meal. And I'll you know I'll vary it. Maybe I'll have my protein in the morning or sometimes in the evening. Depends on my activity. And uh, if I feel like I'm getting a little chubby, I just cut out the starch-based meal and substitute two, two, two fruit-based meals until yeah. I feel lean again. I, I just find that the starches uh, are just too easy to overeat. Oh, They're yeah. just too, too delicious. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find that I actually just – by cutting the starches out, I actually eat less. And there's a lot less tendency, I think, for the fruit-based diets to uh, to uh, uh, turn into to fat. And – you know, this, this is a real simple meal. It's very similar to the Gracie diet. It's almost yeah. exactly the same. Just a couple food combining principles are a little bit different. And, of course, the biggest sin in this particular diet is don't mix the starches and the proteins. It's just too easy to overeat, and it's much tougher for your body to digest that food. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that I think starches in general should be eaten alone, so not with a lot yeah. of fat or protein. So your body. So in other words, you're saying, okay, the focus of this meal is going to be to metabolize this food. So you don't want to throw anything in the mix that's going to mitigate that at all. So which totally. And which you know, a lot against, of people have it. goes against so much of America because you know everybody in America pretty much is meat and potatoes. I'm like, that's just not a great combination. <laughs> you know, that's that's a good way to go to sleep right after you finish eating, right there, man. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. Because that's a yeah. lot. Of, that's a pretty, lot of work. Pretty much so. That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the also thing I think people need to think about when they're eating is. You want to eat foods that give you the most amount of energy with the least amount of energy expenditure to take in that yeah. food. So if you're doing it, if you're eating, if you're combining a lot of things where now your digestive system is going into overdrive to metabolize all that food, you're going to be tired after that meal. If you're That's eating, right. Yeah, if you're eating something where you can, it's a small amount of digestive energy to take in as much energy as possible, you're going to feel good. So you can. You can pretty much tell whether a meal worked for you or not just by how you feel afterwards. Exactly. If you have to go take a nap right afterwards, <laughs> which we've all experienced at some point, that's not a good or sign. If you're, if you're blowing out extensive well, you know, gas right uh, after a meal, then that should tell you, like, you know what? Yes. You're farting on command. It's not a good sign. You, you read my mind because you know people laugh about the gas, but it's, it's not a funny. pretty serious condition. No, it no. basically means that you're not digesting your food. Mm-hmm. You've either created putrefaction if it's proteins. Yeah. Or fermentation if it's carbohydrate, right. neither one is good because you you know you get these partially digested food molecules that are passing through the gut membrane, and you, that's what causes a lot of the inflammation, yeah. osteoarthritis, all sorts of crap. So people that are farting their asses off, <laughs> literally, you know, after they get done eating, they they they, they are not digesting their food because no. you know I tell these these kids that gouge themselves with these giant protein meals and in oh. an effort to gain muscular body weight it's like dude just because you eat it doesn't mean you're going to digest it yeah, exactly it's going and, to go right to your gut exactly. you're getting the wrong yeah, you're not 
and you're not going to simulate a lot of those nutrients. No, no. I, I found that when I cut my food portions way down, I was actually assimilating more nutrients than when I was eating more. Less interruption yeah, it's, going it's on. It's what you're yeah. assimilating. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's funny when people have so much flatulence that you're, they're just walking around farting because they can't hold it in. You know, <laughs> it's like dump it up, it up. There it is, like dude. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny at our course. I read a course sincere and I taught at it in Houston. Sincere, there was like a break, and then once sincere started talking, he was lecturing. This one guy moved to the back of the room, and I just happened to walk right by him, and he just let it all out. And I made a point of I made a point of going there. I'm like, that's that's not going to help with the next section. Oh, man. Well, at least he was. At least he was. I was thinking the same thing. At least he went to the back of the room. That, that, that's always, that's at least he didn't volunteer when I needed someone to come demonstrate an exercise like sincere. I'll demonstrate no, but, that squat for you. No, you're good. Just stay back there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but whenever whenever you travel to teach, you you can't eat as optimally as you can at home. It's just a fact. So you're you're, you're eating out a lot. You're buying stuff at the grocery store. I, I always have this fear when I'm doing dragon flags. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to demonstrate dragon flags. The room is dead silent. It's just me on a bench you know, demonstrating dragon flags. And you're like, man, I really hope that meal went down well that this or morning sauce, or last night or whichever it was. Then yeah. the sauce yeah, press. Sauce and, press. And, and I've seen the sauce press go. I've seen that work in the wrong way for so many people. I'm like, nope. Don't. And, it's, and it's funny how you know, I always joke about Ken. We always joke about Ken because he's the bathroom bandit when it comes to teaching these courses. I'm like, dude, do not teach the sauce press after lunch. That is the Worst time to try to teach this in this course. Or yawn, yawn to sit up. Those are things things you want to avoid. Just setting yourself up a failure, man. Setting yourself up. I actually have ripped a couple of (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I just acknowledge it. I don't try to pretend it didn't happen. There's there's no way to to escape by that. You might as well acknowledge it. It's like, oh, they didn't hear that. It's like, yeah, they did. As as, as seminarians, you know, both of you guys, and I teach a lot of seminars, uh, don't you love it, though, when you have that little time window for your lunch? People come up and want to talk to you. You have have no time for lunch. And, and, you know, you're trying to eat your food, and you're trying to chew it. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, You know, I I like to really chew my food up into liquid, man. You you have to to leave at lunchtime. I've learned to disappear and and just go into a private office. Like, if it's at our gym or whatever, I go into the office and shut the door, you know. (laughs) Or, you know, I'll sit there and get on, and I'll have the computer there acting like I'm on it so they don't bother me. And then if they come in, you kind of look up on the computer like, don't. Don't ask me anything, you know, and then, but yeah, I've, I've learned to disappear, man, because otherwise you, you won't get to even enjoy your shake if that's what you're having at the time. Yeah, no, no, no. Sip, and you know, they, it's like, dude, can I swallow this first? And, and, and I do, and I do understand. I mean, I'm there to, you know, serve the people, sure, and give them sure. the information, but you know, it, it, a lot of times I'll actually even give a period before lunch and even at the end. You know, like, okay, any questions? No one. And and no questions. No questions. And then all of a sudden, everyone's up there. Well, quick question, quick question. (laughs) There's no such thing. (laughs) And I always say, well, well, quick question, but it's a long answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So please let me eat. Let me digest my food. And I do notice that, like, you know, sometimes you're you're eating fast or – uh, same thing with groups, you know, like social eating. I try to avoid yeah. social eating. Yeah. There's a real tendency to overeat, eat too fast. Uh, so I, I prefer to avoid social type 
meals and social uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a very I slow time, eater. Man. I take yeah. my time. Yeah, you are too. Yeah, sister. It's yeah it's I'm funny, a very whenever slow Whenever we're doing dinner, Mike and myself, we're the last two eating. Everybody else is like up and around talking. We're Wait, waiters like, coming exactly. over every 10 minutes? You got you guys done with no, that? No. Don't touch my plate. <laughs> Taking my time, man. I'm relaxing here. Yeah, yeah I, I'm shocked. Like sometimes I'll eat with, uh, you know, some friends yeah. and it's like – They'll literally have their plate cleared before I'm even a third of the way through mine. Yeah, it's a contest. Like, wow. Let's get the dessert. Like, no, they just, not. They just, they well, just well, that, that's that. the other main reason for flatulence yeah, and digestive issues and so forth. I mean, you're not you're not breaking down the food in a way that you can assimilate it adequately. And then, of course, you're going to have issues. So, I mean, that's the other thing that a lot of people could t- should take heed of that are listening to this is slow down when you're eating. Why? You don't have to make well, it a contest. What, yeah, why are you in it's, a hurry? Sho- it's shocking how little, fo- how little food will completely sate you if yeah, you do chew exactly. it. I mean, your exactly. sating levels are so much higher. So true. Way less tendency to overeat. Mm-hmm. Like, just take a bite, put the fork down, chew it to liquid. Take yeah. another bite, put the fork down, chew it up. You know, it, it's, it's amazing how... And some people worry, oh, I'm not getting enough calories or whatever. But ultimately, this is you, you actually uh, – <laughs> yeah. like, If you're in America, if you're in a, yeah. Western, a westernized world, you're getting plenty of calories. You're not, you're not hurting, buddy. You, <laughs> Trust the, key, the key is how much nutrition are you deriving from the exactly. calories? Exactly. So you're worrying about the calories. You're not about the exactly. Exactly. You're deriving a lot more. I think a good exercise is to actually start trying to eat your food, especially if it's solid food. Eat it with chopsticks. You have to have patience. You and you're yeah. not gonna get. You're not gonna sit there and pile a bunch of food in your mouth at the same time. And like I said, and you're not gonna sit there and hold that chopstick with the food in it while you're chewing the food that you just put in your mouth because your your fingers are gonna start cramping up. I think it's a good exercise to teach you discipline how to just enjoy your food, be in the moment, and relax, and not feel like you gotta keep stuffing yourself as if you're in prison and somebody's gonna take your plate from you. <laughs> you know, something like that. Or, or or use a toothpick. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've done it. You really yeah, want to I've slow down. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm eating my food, man. And, and I, I don't want to wash any extra dishes. And my wife laughs about that. I'm like, nah, I'll use this toothpick. I like to use I I like to use little tiny teaspoons. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like a little, a little coffee spoon yeah. Yeah. instead of like a regular teaspoon. Good idea. Like the really real little coffee stirs. I find that that's a really good way to uh, to eat with just a tiny little spoon like that and. There's a lot less tendency to to shovel your mouthful. Yeah, or use a smaller and, plate too, where you cook up a big storm and then you do one small plate at a time. Exactly. Yeah. For exactly. me, it's like I eat upstairs, so if I want more, I have to <laughs> yeah, walk downstairs, fill up the plate. You know, right? it becomes a weird yeah, job. yeah. You don't make it easy for exactly. yourself to just. I mean, I don't worry about overeating because that's the least of my problems. Right. But these are just ways to make me eat slower so that I digest the food much more adequately. That's what I'm focused on. And because I do travel, and I, I've I've also taken uh, some uh, ship trips, you know, yeah. cruises and so forth. They're notorious for. Uh, okay, Steve, yeah. thank you but, for your uh, advice on the on the cruise last year when we talked. I mean, that was a big that helped a lot, you know, just the little tips, you know, because that was my first one, and I, you know, the nightmare here from everybody. Oh man, I gained like fifteen pounds on that cruise. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Well, all you do is all you do is hang uncommon, out and eat. All you do is hang out, you eat, and that's about it. And you sit on the ship. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. And you said, you know, hey. You know, make that one plate count. You know, that's the thing. One plate. And, but, you know, and not do it the buffet style where you stack a bunch of food on top of your plate and then you probably eat like, I don't know, just a quarter of it. And then you get up and go get another plate. <laughs> right. and like, dude, there's still a pile of food yeah. sitting right there. You like, Come on, man. But yeah, it was a big difference. Yeah, got to get my money's <laughs> worth. You know, that's the whole mentality there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty shameful, really. Oh, yeah. But yeah. 
the uh, that that is the the trick to the buffets. One plate and one plate right. only. And sometimes, like on those type of things, like you you know you're not busy, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have a lot to do. And what's the first thing that people well, start to think about when they're not busy? <laughs> you start to think food, you know. So I literally will set my watch and I will not eat a moment before four hours, mm-hmm. even though my body is trying to trick me into fooling me into think I'm hungry. I, I usually like to go five hours, but certainly never before four. Yeah. And then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can't chase that hunger away. And if I still feeling like, wow, I'd really like to eat after that four hours, then I might have a, 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 my next meal. But a lot, a lot of people, man, they, they're just like chronically, uh, like chronic state of digestion every couple hours, you know, yeah. they're uh, stuffing their faces. Uh, it's interesting, though. Uh, research does show that, you know, the, the uh, grazing will help you lose uh, weight. But it's certainly not a healthy way to eat. It's certainly not a sustainable way to eat. You know, having like chronic snacking all day, uh, people will ultimately lose body fat on diets like that. Yeah. But uh, you, just never, you just never, you just never feel you, satisfied. You're never getting all your nutrients. Yeah. You're getting bits and pieces of nutrients here and there, here and there. And you, you just feel like your whole and day it, revolves around exactly. eating. That's the problem. And it does. It yeah, really does. It, it does. And, yeah. And your 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 uh, your digestive organs never get a rest, mm-hmm. and there's this you're just basically in a chronic state of digestion and stimulation, so it's it's not a good thing. It's certainly not healthy. It's certainly not uh, the, the the type of thing that's going to sustain you and help you age well. Uh, much better off having those brief, uh, infrequent meals. You know, sort of like weight. You know, sort of like the high intensity meal plan almost. You know. Yeah. You just have a few basic, uh, infrequent meals throughout the day, and yeah. you keep it light, and you know, really combine the foods uh, carefully. Yeah, just focusing on getting the most out of what you're eating, rather than it, just eating the most. You know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, I am actually scheduled to go and train some jujitsu up at Maui Jiu-Jitsu nice. here. Oh, sounds good. So, uh, man, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was really a lot of oh, fun. Man, no. a pleasure, I think man. we could talk. We, we, we could talk forever. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's always a pleasure having you on. And, yeah, yeah. We, we never want to I cut really it short when you're on. Yeah. But, absolutely, yeah, we've, had, we've, had a, we've, had a, we've had a good, long conversation here. So we appreciate <laughs> the time. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you very much, right. guys. Take care, man. So, you enjoy uh, your day? Yeah, thank you. Hope to see you guys again soon. All right. Sounds Take good. Care, you enjoy your day, man. Thanks again. Uh-huh. Bye now. Take care. Bye. And again, that's our friend Steve Maxwell. Make sure to check him out at maxwellsc.com. You can see a bunch of interviews with him, other podcast episodes he's been on. He's been on our show a couple of times. And you can see his whole workshop schedule there. He's all over the world. Mm-hmm. MikeMahler.com. You can use that coupon code to get 10% off all my supplements, my T-shirts, my books, basically everything you see on there. And how about you, man? You can also use that same coupon code LLA, not just not only just to get the products on my website and get 10% off, but you'll also get 10% off of the upcoming IKFF of kettlebell nice. certification that's happening here in Houston on May 8th, 9th, and 10th. That's the level one and the level two. So I spoke with Ken. I said, hey, man, can we use that coupon code for our listeners out there that want to you know, come out and get the certification? And he's like, cool. So Ken and I will be teaching in that course for those three days here in Houston. That's coming up May 8th, 9th, and 10th. You can hop over to the IKFF website, ikff.net, and use that coupon code when you sign up for that 
certification and that course. Use LLA, you'll get 10% off of that, which is big savings. I know some of you have already got your level one and you need to do your level two. Well, here's the deal. Some of you have been getting hit with snow and it's still snowing now, even though it's the damn near in the middle of spring <laughs> and you want to come someplace where it's warm. Well, guess what? Snow doesn't happen in Houston. It doesn't. So you can come here. You can get your training and be warm and have fun while you're doing it. And then you can actually experience that flashiness we were talking about from Ken <laughs> up close and personal and then have your own stories to talk about. So, yeah. So anyway, Again, use that same coupon code on newwarriortraining.com. Get 10% off all my products, as well as go to the IKFF website and get 10% off of the Houston course only now. Don't try to sign up for some other city and think that, that that's going to work for you. It's not. Only for the Houston course, which is coming up May 8th, 9th, and 10th. All right? So do that. And for everyone else who's not going to any of the courses or whatever, you can still support the show by hopping over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash L-L-A podcast. Support the show, man. Help us keep this free, especially free of a gazillion sponsors. And, I mean, every little bit counts. But I'm going to tell you this right now. When you see that $1 in that box, erase it. And start from 5 bucks. And then if you want to get more, go for it, man. And, um... Like I said, that just helps support the show that you guys constantly email us and post on our fan page about that how much you love the show. And that's one way you can support it right there. All right. Perfect, man. Sounds good, everyone. And, yeah, remember, just like what Sincere said, a lot of other people who did just the episode we did today, there would have been commercial breaks all throughout that episode would have been 10 minutes of commercials at the beginning. Every 30 minutes, there would have been some pitch on razors to buy or or different <laughs> yeah. underwear he sent to you each month, you know, stuff, stuff that you can <laughs> like. Well, you can't, you can't even go out and buy your own underwear. What the hell's wrong with you, man? I don't want anyone picking up my drawers, man. <laughs> it's just, it's just certain things that just all works. Okay, come on. <laughs> and by the way, I just want to say this real quick. Big shouts to Steve Nelson and also. Marie Peden also became new Patreon supporters for the show. Thank you very much for your contribution and helping us keep the show free of shipping underwear out to people and commercials like that and, and free razor commercials and all that good stuff. So thank you guys awesome. for supporting us. We appreciate Definitely that. appreciate it. All right, folks. So that's going to do it until next time. Keep it locked in. We'll talk to you Take then. Take care, everyone. Bye.